Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Kevin Moran of Beam, high-quality functional supplements formulated for better balance, performance, recovery, and sleep. Listen as Kevin shares stories from playing professional baseball in the MLB and to now forming Beam, a supplement company specialized for athletes. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Kevin Moran of uh, Beam. Kevin, thank you so much for joining me today. You got it, man. Thanks. Of course. I'd like to start out with your upbringing. Uh, where did you grow up, and what would you say your childhood was like? Uh, I grew up about an hour and a half south of Boston, Massachusetts, in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, which is kind of a – most people think of it as a summary destination, but it's it's a uh, bigger place than people might actually expect. Um, I think my childhood was, was relatively normal. Uh, I played a lot of sports, had a younger sister and older brother, and – um, I would say just, just, just pretty normal in the suburbs of Boston. For sure. Uh, would you say you had an entrepreneurial mindset, say lemonade stands or sunny products growing up? Oh yeah. I was, I was like, yeah, I was insane with that stuff. There was like a cookie contest, I think like one, on my basketball team of like selling cookies and I took it to like a huge, like a completely different level. Um, <laughs> and when I was like 12 years old, yeah, yeah. totally. For sure. Um, so I'm, I'm curious about some of the athletics here. I, I know that was a big part of uh, your growing up, also your school years. Uh, what was that like? What sports did you play growing up, uh, segueing into like maybe your high school years? Yeah, man, I played everything. Anything I could get my hands on, golf, baseball, basketball, tennis. Um, I started running at a really young age too. Mm. Uh, and then as I progressed in sports, uh, in high school I played golf, uh, basketball, and baseball as well. Obviously baseball I ended up excelling in what you probably know. I played professional yeah. baseball for a handful of years too. Yeah, I'd like to get into that. Um, playing baseball in high school, what was that like, the recruiting process? Um, did you have schools recruiting you? I, I know the level you, you reached uh, with baseball was pretty extensive. Um, what was that like during your high school years? You know, it, it always, I kind of had an interesting story uh, compared to most guys in the playing professional baseball. Cape Cod is necessarily, um, well, the Cape Cod Baseball League is there, which is a really popular league that I played in. Um, mm-hmm. Once I was a little bit older and in college, but the high school baseball circuit in Cape Cod isn't necessarily really known to be a hotbed for talent. Um, mm. So I kind of had a weird situation where I didn't know if I threw 80 miles an hour or 100 miles an hour. I had this coach that was like, hey, you should go to this thing. I was a junior in high school. I had no aspirations of playing college baseball at all. Huh. I had a coach that said, hey, you should go um, You should go to the showcase. There'll be a bunch of college uh, scouts there, a bunch of pro scouts there. I remember being like, oh, this is like 500 bucks. Like, I don't think I'm going to do it. So he got me in for free. Um, and I went and I faced, I think everybody pitches two innings, so six outs. And I think I struck out every person I faced. Wow. And I think maybe at 17, 18 years old, I was throwing 89, 90 miles an hour. Uh, I had no idea if that was good at the time. Um, it was. It was a lot better than, uh, than, I, than I thought. Um, yeah. I got back to my car and I had like, probably 20 college scouts and uh, 20 professional scouts uh, blowing up my cell phone to talk to me. So my life changed pretty quickly overnight. Um, I ended up really quickly, ended up getting recruited by BC where I went, uh, University of Michigan, I took an official visit. Uh, Gosh, a lot of division one schools that was talked about getting drafted my senior year. It was, it was really kind of a crazy experience and it always gave me a a good perspective. Yeah. (laughs) After that. Um, So Amazing. Yeah, it was nuts. I'm curious, what led you to choosing Boston College then after those recruits? Um, and was that in full ride scholarship? Oh. Uh, yeah, I had, a, I had a good scholarship there. Um, 
don't know, just growing up in Massachusetts, BC was always such a great thing, you know, such a great place. It was kind of held in high regard and you know, mm-hmm. academically it was a phenomenal school. It was one that I probably wouldn't have been able to get into um, mm-hmm. without baseball. It just was like a dream come true. And like I said, it all kind of happened like overnight. I wanted to stay yeah. close to home. I also wanted to play in the Atlantic Coast Conference, which is known to be, if not the best, one of the best baseball conferences in the country. Yeah. Um, so a lot of things that were that were that made it a good fit for me. Perfect. Uh, going into your professional career, then, uh, what year was this when you were looking at uh, going to the MLB, and what, were you still like in school at the time? Uh, similar to high school, I I just kind of like I got to college and I didn't really have like you know tremendous aspirations around uh, playing professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, then I started working harder and harder and started throwing harder and harder, and all of a sudden like it became very quick quickly uh, apparent that um, I was going to be a relatively big prospect. And uh, my junior year, I got drafted by the White Sox. I signed uh, and I ended up playing professional baseball for about four years. Um, in the offseason, I went back to BC and graduated and got my degree, wow. which was important to me. Um, but yeah, it was similar to that experience. Like I just kind of kept taking it. It's very similar to entrepreneurship too. For kept sure. taking it like one day at a time and just getting a little bit better each day. And all of a sudden, like some really great results happened. For sure. I'm curious during this time, uh, what was the support like from your family, like your parents? Uh, was this an yeah. upbringing that they had anything similar to this that they've seen or have experienced? No, I was kind of an anomaly. So like, I, I think it's actually better that way, though. So some yeah. of these kids, especially today, like they're just like groomed at a very young age to be these professional athletes. And I think it's it actually is counterintuitive and works against them. For me, it was kind of just like, um, no, my, my family has always been awesome and supportive and, you know, the love from them was, was super helpful, but, um, we were all just kind of taking it day by day and that's yeah. kind of how I felt when it ended too, which I can talk about too, if you'd like, like I just kind of yeah. was like, yeah, this is, it gave me a good perspective. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely open to going that route. What was the reasoning, uh, towards yeah, the Yeah. Oh yeah. I had a million injuries. I had Tommy John surgery, which is a major mm-hmm. elbow surgery. It takes about a year of recovery. Then I blew out my left knee. Uh, and I had my left knee down about six months after I did, I had Tommy John. Um, so I spent about a year rehabbing my elbow and my knee. Um, then I finally got both of those healthy. Then I tore my rotator cuff and my labrum and my shoulder. Wow. Um, and I just decided that I just, I didn't want to get that done. I had, uh, met my girlfriend who I was very serious about who then became, has been my wife now for almost five years uh, at that point in my life. And I got back to school and I'd had enough injuries and I just, I just figured there was something more to life than, yeah. than this. Um, somebody was telling me that it was time to take a different path. So, um, I stopped and yeah. I was kind of just like, just the way that it started, it was like kind of very serendipitous and I was very much at peace with it just because mm-hmm. I did everything I could to make it successful. For sure. I'm interested to find out, uh, what was this career move like for you then? Uh, where did you end up going, especially out of like just full out baseball career? Where, where do you go yeah. from there? Yeah, that was an interesting kind of experience in my life. I ended up moving to Austin, Texas. I worked for a big tech company called VMware, who's owned by uh, EMC and ultimately owned by Dell. Um, I spent about three years there, and then I came back to Boston, where I kept working for their for them. I was there for about five or six years. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of cut my teeth in corporate America. It was definitely an interesting experience in relation to what I was doing as a professional athlete. Um, I got really into Ironman triathlons on the oh. side of that as well. I started doing like crazy long distance endurance stuff, cycling and running. And I think like, you know, when I look back, it was probably to fill some of that competitive void that I lost through sports. You know, you just, it's hard to really beam is probably the only thing that's, I would compare to, mm. to that. Um, yeah. 
yeah, it was an interesting transition time in my life, but um, it was good. Like I, I learned a lot. I, it's a good example of like, you know, when I stopped playing baseball and sort of working in the professional world, it was like, no one really cares like what you've yeah. done before that. Like, it's kind of just like level playing field. So it was good, good for perspective. For sure. Uh, I'm curious uh, in, in this spectrum of time, uh, around 2018 is when Beam uh, arrives. Was there like a void you noticed uh, in your workspace or in your career that you're at at the time or what, what, what inspired the launch of Beam at this time? Yeah, so my co-founder Matt and I, he, he went to BC as well. I um, mean, he played hockey there and uh, kind of got disconnected after college because we both were playing professional sports, but then we met in Boston and he actually joined me in some crazy workouts when I was training for that Ironman and mm. one of my Ironmans and just kind of bonded over a shared passion for wellness and like wanted to do something entrepreneurial together. We weren't sure what it was going to be, but yeah, I started looking at the cannabis space back in 2018. It was very misunderstood. Uh, people didn't know how it was going to affect their body. They thought they were going to fail a drug test. So the business kind of started as more of a CBD brand over the years. We've definitely morphed into more of like a supplement company. I would say we still use cannabinoids as an ingredient, but yeah. that was the kind of the precipice of it. It was like, Hey, is this like a new nascent market that people don't understand? How can we go arbitrage this and just build a really beautiful consumer brand and what is was ultimately like a really untrusted space for so sure. The beginning in those early days, as you mentioned, it evolved. Uh, what were those first products that launched then that you're, yeah, we launched a tincture and a sap, and we had no money initially. Like we both funded the business with, I don't know, a few thousand bucks, and um, we bought. Like we were very. I said this to my wife the other night. Like if we're going on almost into five, this is our fifth year. Um, and the brand's obviously grown a lot over the years, but like the thought of like doing it again, like we did in the beginning. Like I don't know if I have the, uh, the energy for that again. Um, yeah. We bought like 50 units of this, 50 units of that, sold them, bought more, then bought 100. Like it was very like grindy uh, in the beginning, Uh, which I appreciate. Like any entrepreneur is now like I always look for that trait. Like do you want to go stand outside of a soul cycle or a core power yoga and like look like an idiot and try to get people to buy your product and just hustle? Yeah, totally. Uh, In those early days, what did that R&D process look like? Uh, Testing effectiveness, quality, et cetera. Yeah, so everything is from the very beginning has always been triple lab tested, which is a core principle of the brand. So um, we test them internally at production, after production. Um, we work with a lot of professional athletes. I think, you know, Venus Williams is an investor. Um, Danica Patrick's a big investor. You know, we work with lots of CrossFit athletes too. So quality has been something we've always taken very seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was kind of like the, the beginning was how could we make sure that these are transparent and um, really clear uh, on what's on the label. So um, we have a guy that we work with internally. He actually worked externally and now he works at Beam, but he's wow. um, we keep him locked in a basement. He's like our, our science guy that's helped <laughs> us from an R&D perspective. For sure. Uh, as the brand evolved, I'm curious, what does the marketing strategy look like um, to convince consumers that this is... Um, better for you. It's not something that should be misconceived, et cetera. Yeah. And how has the marketing strategy evolved? Um, we just, I'd say like we made a lot of dumb decisions early on and wasted a lot of money on things we probably otherwise shouldn't have. And like yeah. learned the hard way. Um, so the brands evolve, like it's like this constant, I would say like, we're, I definitely say like very growth marketing focus. We're all direct to consumer. So all the things that you think a good direct to consumer business is doing, we're doing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, monitoring those on a daily basis and looking at all the numbers as the business has gotten bigger, it's gone, we've moved a lot further away from intuition based yeah. decision-making to database decision-making For in sure. every area of our business. And we have the data to do it. 
um, you know, there's a constant, I would say, like for good consumer brands, in my opinion, it takes four, five, six, seven, ten 10 years to have like the makings of like a brand. I'd say the first like four or five years, like you're just, you're just building to kind of get to that point. Yeah. Um, right now we're at the point where like we're constantly, we're looking at brand focused things to kind of grow the brand and legitimacy in the space mm-hmm. and the products around that. But also like we're really focused on, I'd say on growth marketing and all the data behind growing the business from a, you know, even economic standpoint, that makes sense. For sure. Uh, with that marketing, what have you found to be the main demographic? Yeah, it's interesting. Our customers are like 25 to 35. Um, we yeah. have a pretty, even 40 and a little bit older. Um, males, females are split evenly. And we're kind of like over the years, like we, we started out on the coastal city front, but like we now we're, we're pretty much all across the country now. So yeah. um, it's actually a, a, one of the interesting things about being is we have a pretty wide consumer demographic. Mm. Uh, to the listeners out there, what would you say differentiates Beam from maybe competitors who, from the macro view, maybe see you as like a hydration supplement company or a nutrition supplement company, but you guys have a wide variety compared to some of those other competitors. I'm curious what your POV is. Yeah, man. Um, uh, gosh, I would just say like the product and brand and like good efficacious products that taste good, that make you feel good. Yeah. And a, like a really poppy brand, those things are all table stakes. I think like what makes, and that, that can kind of get you to like, in my opinion, product market fit. Yeah. What really takes a brand to the next level, what I've learned over the years is like a world-class team. Like you have to have people that buy into the team, um, the mission of the company, uh, all of the things that we just talked about in regard to the brand and even economics and growth and data and all of those things. Um, so it's like getting a, a group of people that are crazy enough to believe in the mission and um, execute really, really flawlessly together. It's all about execution. For sure. Um, if you have the D to C dialed in, I, retail sometimes isn't always the efficient move, but I'm curious, um, has it been in the forecast for you guys at all going into any retail? Yeah, for us to be the brand that we think we're going to be from a, from like a, I'd say a market share and top line perspective and also customer standpoint, retail is definitely a place we'll, we'll have to be. Um, yeah. Obviously, that's going to change the P&L pretty drastically in terms of people and Newton yeah. economics and all that stuff. So um, we're pretty confident in what we're able to execute from a plan perspective over the next you know, year or two. Yeah. Um, single channel, but for us to be where we think we need to be, retail is probably at the cards. Totally. Uh, for listeners out there who might want to try product, what would you say is the top seller uh, today? Um, probably our dream products, I would say. Yeah. The sleep products really do well for us. They're probably my favorite. I, um, they taste great. They're great for routine. They absolutely crushed me from an efficacy perspective. I sleep great. Um, probably the sleep products. Awesome. Um, I'd like to conclude each episode with this. If you could share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, maybe something you've learned or regret, uh, what would that be? Oh, man. How long do you have for this one? <clears throat> you might have a lot of regrets. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's so hard to get started in the beginning. Um, I always use like kind of, I didn't, obviously this isn't my term, but perfect is the enemy of great. Like mm-hmm. you, there's so many ideas and there's so many opinions and there's so many people telling you how to do something like trust your own intuition, get something into the world and collect feedback and data and then go from there. Um, For sure. So just like getting started and getting things out there, I would say. And then also like as part of that is like just trusting your own intuition. I, I think there are a lot of people that have done it before you. Um, or that are currently doing it that are going to tell you how to do things. And like, ultimately as an entrepreneur, um, if you own the brand and it's your kind of brainchild, like you should always trust what's 
what you think is the right thing to do for the brand. Mm. You know, take advice and, you know, analyze that, but then make decisions from there. For sure. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for joining me. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Beam at shopbeam.com. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.